Welcome one and all to episode 151 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are joined by our very special guest, one of our favorites, not just on the podcast, but in general, on the Twitter, on uh, in real life, uh, our, our guy, Sully. Sully, how are you doing, man? What's up, boys? Thanks for having me back. Of course, if Soli's on the show, that can only mean one thing, and that's we're talking offensive line because Justin and I, well, we usually bow to the guys that know a little bit more about the position group than Justin and I. And Soli played it uh, in college. He coached it. He's done it all. Uh, so he can give us way more information than uh, Justin and I can can handle but we're still going to chime in with some of our thoughts as well yeah you know we usually like to pretend that we know everything about every other position but offensive line is the one where year in and year out we make sure we talk to sully about this uh similarly i think we'll we'll probably try and get uh kyle posey on for corners like we usually do we'll see uh our schedule's packed pretty tight we're right up against the wall the draft's just a few weeks away uh so we're going to try and get all our rankings out there on these shows so you might have to subscribe to the patreon to catch some of those that's two bucks a month for all the bonus episodes we'll have one later this week where we will tell you our top five offensive line tonight we're going to hear sully's but before that sully the pressing question i've had for you since early in the process because uh people started talking early on that the jaguars were going to draft evan neal at number one overall then it became icky Iquanu. Uh, now it's starting to look like they've, you know, they've franchise tagged Cam Robinson. They signed Brandon Sheriff. It looks like they're going back to defensive end for the number one overall pick. But let's say they throw a curveball and they still pick O line number one overall. Are, are Neil and Equanu are they that type of prospect that's worthy of the number one overall pick? Yeah, I think that question's kind of twofold. First off, in this draft, I would take uh, Evan Neal first overall. Um, you know, for them, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense because they also have Walker Little there, uh, who they drafted last year, who I think is a guy that just needs to play a little more. Um, you know, if he didn't have all those injuries in college, he was probably a first-round pick, um, and he fell to them a little bit last year in the draft. So I think they're pretty comfortable with where they're at tackle-wise. But Evan Neal is a guy who, like, for me, is just really low floor. Like, I don't think there's any chance he's bad. And if he realizes his full potential, I think you get Jonathan Ogden, which is like, I know that's crazy to say, but he's that big and that agile um you know he gets a little lazy from time to time he looks a little bored on film truthfully um I didn't love his balance he's on the ground a lot I think that's because he's leaning on people um but those are things that can be cleaned up and I mean look we all saw that picture of him right I mean 350 pounds or whatever 360 pounds whatever he was and I mean he looked like a tight end standing there right I mean I couldn't even believe it was him so um I definitely think Evan Neal is worthy of the first overall pick and in this draft in particular I think he's the best player in the draft. Um, you know, I don't love either of those edges that were being talked about, right? And then the safety from Notre Dame, you know, ran us pretty slow. So I don't think you take him at number one overall either. Um, if I was them, I would draft Evan Neal. But I also understand why, you know, they're a team that really needs some playmakers and some guys that can get out to the quarterback. And, you know, they're probably pretty comfortable with where they're at offensive tackle-wise. You, you mentioned Neal's. Uh, Neil ended up on the ground. That's something I noticed a lot too. Is he's like you said, he's leaning into guys. Um, is that because he's so tall that he has to he has to try and get on his uh, opponent's level? And he's like, it's hard for a guy that big to to have a lot of 
bend. So he's he's bending at the waist a little bit to get that low, right? Yeah, I I think he's just overall he looked a little bored. Um, and you know I think it's more of just a balance issue overall. Um, you saw him even against like some smaller guys that can convert speed to power pretty well, or some speed rushers give him some trouble too. Um, you know, I mean, even trying to, you know, when they ran like the stretch plays or, or things like that, he would struggle a little bit getting out there. And I don't think it's a lack of athleticism. Um, you know, I obviously know some people who are working with him. Um, I, he's a freak all, all, all around. I think he just, it's classic case of a little bit bored. He can lean on people 95% of the time and it works. And then when he got up against some of the better players, um, you know, he ended up on the ground some. But I, there's nothing about his game that is like a glaring weakness to me that would scare you off to say like, Hey, this guy's going to end up, you know, this, this is so bad. It's going to hurt what he ends up being. Whereas like for me, I'm not as high on Aquano as others. I mean, I do have him as the second best um, O lineman in the draft, but uh, you know, he's really short and that would worry me some, um, you know, last year you had Rashawn Slater who was also a little short, but the truth is, like, you know, he was such a freak athletically. You could get by with that. Equano is also a very good athlete, but I, I don't think he's number one overall, right? If I'm taking a guy first overall, I think he's got to be the no-brainer. And to me, I just I, – I mean, Evan Neal at the very worst to me. Like, if he does not pan out, if he reaches his floor only, I think he's like Eric Fisher, which is pretty good. You know, it's a that's a good eight-year starting left tackle at the very worst. And, again, I think if he reaches his full potential with just cleaning some things up, he's dropped some weight, changed his body comp. You know, Duke does an amazing job with those guys of changing their body composition, right? It's not just losing weight. I mean, he transforms what, what their body looks like. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that's going to clean up some of that balance issue for him. Um, you know, Duke will, will work with him a ton on just weight placement on his feet. Um, you know, doing a lot of different things like that. So overall, I, I just I would take him number one overall in this draft. Yeah, I think I think with uh, with Neil and he's more athletic than this guy. But I, I thought of Phil Loadholt, like that being his like his floor, where mm-hmm. you have a guy who he's played right tackle, so you can put him over. You know, it wouldn't be a big change to put him back over to right tackle, and he'd give you that kind of dominant power player at that spot. Equanu. You're you're totally right. Like he's not on the the level of Slater as an athlete. Slater was so nimble. His athleticism was more like a uh, a guy like Joel Batonio, who did end up moving to guard. But he was he was so agile in those drills. And uh, with with uh, Equanu, he tested more like he's very similar to me to Leo Collins, who I think has looked better as a guard. He's played some right tackle as well. That's where I see Equanu. Yeah, I don't think he's quite as dominant as Collins was in college. Like, he was an ass-kicker in college where, I mean, Aquanu's got some of those same traits. I don't dislike him at all. Like, I think he's a good player. But, I mean, 6'4", 310 would scare me a little bit. Um, You know, he didn't test particularly well in, like, agility. You know, he was definitely decent in a straight line. But, um, I mean, I think they're both pretty safe. I just prefer Neil over him. That's all. When you look at a guy that's kind of been gaining steam and, it, and it's something that you've talked about on, on Twitter quite a bit, but um, you know, Trevor Penning from you and I had a, had a pretty good senior bowl. He, he really came across as kind of the bully offensive lineman that people are looking for. Um, we've talked about it before, you know, you and I strength and conditioning programs on par with literally every, 
anybody else's in the country, even though they're technically not, you know, a D1 program or, you know, a, a F or I guess not FBS anymore, but, you know, they're they're not one of the bowl, you know, playoff teams. Um, that being said, did the senior bowl help pinning as much as it seems like it did in the rankings or was it just an eye opener for the people that haven't watched him? Well, I think so. First off, you and I, uh, strength and conditioning program is absurd. I mean, they get these guys, you know, and they come in and they're, you know, 200 pound tight ends in high school. And then they graduate four years later and they're, you know, 315 pound freak athletes. Um, I think the senior bowl definitely helped him because whenever you're getting guys from a lower level like that, right, you want to see that they can hold their own. And I think some of that attitude and being a bully like that is helps you out a ton because it just shows that you're able to kind of play at that level. Um, I actually don't like Trevor Penning a ton. Um, I know a lot of people love him. Uh, if you guys remember back a couple of years ago, because, you know, we've been at this, you know, knowing each other for a while now, right, is I, I did not like Eric Flowers when everybody else loved him. Um, and I just can't stop seeing Eric Flowers every time I watch Penning. He just there's something about him for a guy who tested as athletic as he did. Um, I mean, he was a freak in terms of testing. He just moves so stiff. Um, I, I just I can't I can't unsee it. It's almost like his, you know, I, I it's it's odd. It's like his ankles are so stiff that he's he has trouble moving. I don't like um, anything about his past set. Uh, and, you know, truthfully, some of that bullying stuff, right, some of the clips you saw at the Senior Bowl and some of the stuff you see on, you know, on his game tape where, you know, he's getting credit for these knockdowns and stuff, a lot of it's kind of like, you know, hip thrusting and, you know, throwing guys down to the side, using their speed against them. It's not like it's, you know, a dominant, you know, run blocking force. So I I think he might end up being an okay player, but I do not like him as much as others. But, you know, to answer your question, I think that, the senior bowl helps for guys like him again, just to see them against, you know, top tier competition finally, because you don't get that on his film. So, you know, a place like the senior bowl, and then, you know, he went right and backed up his senior bowl performance with an amazing combine. So he's going to get drafted high. Somebody's going to take him. I just can't stop seeing Eric flowers when I watch him. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, some of that about his tape, because he's clearly a, a matchup problem from a strength and athleticism standpoint at the FCS level. He's playing lower level guys. Uh, like Seth said, he's not. They're not. Uh, he's not facing playoff teams. He's not play, uh, facing Power Five teams. Uh, he did get <clears throat> some of those reps at the Senior Bowl, but it was the same kind of thing we were seeing on his tape. There's a lot of grabbing and throwing guys down. Yes. And and he's pulling guys down. I feel like he's going to be a penalty machine. And he had quite a, a few penalties called against him during his college career as it was. So I, I think a lot of penning is some smoke and mirrors where yeah. you, you see this bully, this dominant, potentially dominant guy, this fantastic athlete. But I'm not – I always was getting a feeling that what he was doing isn't really translating to the NFL game. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be – it's just very grabby. It's kind of like after the play. You know, there's just not a lot of – I just – I don't like – I just don't like where his game's at. And like I said, I, you know, when you see him in his pass set, uh, you know, he's overly aggressive with his hands. I think his feet are just so stiff. Um, and it's weird because, I mean, I think his – you know, because I, I love that RS, RES, the math bomb guy, you know. 
where he like ranks everybody in terms of the, what percentile they were in for their athleticism. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was like one of the most athletic offensive tackles of all time. Right. And then when you watch his film, it just it's not there. Like I, you know, he looks good out in space. I mean, you can see that the athleticism is there, but that pass set's ugly, man. And I mean, I just remember Eric Flowers. I remember even Andrew Thomas from you know a few years ago that came out of Georgia. The Giants took early. Like, I just did not like those guys for that reason, and I don't think that's something you can coach out of him. And then to your point, a lot of what he's getting credit for and being called this big bully is really, truly kind of, you know, more to me, a lot of extracurricular that really doesn't need to happen, right? So, yeah. you know, I just, you know, I he's getting talked about like he's dominating people like he's Quentin Nelson, but that's not really what he's doing, right? I mean, you watch that, that senior bowl clip where he throws that, you know, the, I think it was Tyreek Smith, he threw him you know, kind of hip thrusted him down and threw him right into the back of the quarterback's legs. Like, that's the kind of stuff you, you're not impressing anybody there, right? No, you're not making friends either uh, yeah. among guys that are all trying for the same goal at, at the senior bowl. You're trying to get drafted. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of dirty, honestly. Yeah, I would say, you know, if someone can find a way to, you know, loosen those, and I don't think it's a hips thing either. I think it's really just that lower body. If someone could find a way to kind of loosen that up and get him just a little more athletic in his movements, a little more fluid, you know, I mean, you could be looking at someone who has like a Kyle Turley kind of trajectory, right? You know, he's mm-hmm. got that same attitude, you know, he's, you know, very good in the run game. And if someone can fix that pass blocking, I think he's going to be kind of scheme dependent. Um, you know, I would love to see him in like Baltimore, or somewhere like that where he can go forward more often than he goes backwards. Not many guys that are his size with his athleticism. The closest one I could find was Robert Gallery. So I found that interesting because he uh, was the number two overall pick, but he ended up being some kind of considered a bust and, and I think ultimately moved to guard. So just thought I'd throw it out there. Uh, Seth, over to you. When you look at, you know, the process and, and we're heading towards the end of it, like Justin said, which uh, prospect is being the most overrated right now? I I think it's Penning. Um, I just I still just don't see it. Um, you know, I don't know what everybody's watching that they're so in love with. I wasn't at the senior bowl, so maybe I missed out on practice reps and such. But I mean, he also was going against really a bunch of mid rounders there, too. Right. It's not like the top tier edges were there. Um, I, I just don't see it on film. I didn't like any of the clips. I think you're drafting purely on athleticism. And then the other guy that I know a lot of, of um, even guys who typically know O-line are really high on is uh, Bernard Rainman. And I am I really am out on him. Um, I think people are kind of trying to live that pipe dream of, you know, we're going to go find the next uh, Lane Johnson because, you know, he made that same transition. And, you know, Rainman's a freak athlete and he's just starting to learn the position. But, man, he really gets bullied. And, you know, I think people really undersell, you know, just how big Lane Johnson was. Um, you know, I know he he struggles a little bit in the offseason. You know, he might walk around 265 or so. But, you know, he gets up there around 310, 315 in the season and or, you know, right at 305 or so during the season. He's really, really physical guy. I just don't see it with Raymond. Um, I mean, he really, really gets bullied. And, uh, you know, on film, he's just getting run over a lot. I think that showed up even in some of the stuff he did in the offseason. He was really good at the combine, but you would expect that from a guy who's been a, you know, a conversion. 
Um, I, I just don't see it there at all. I think he's going to really struggle with guys with any type of power. Um, and, you know, with the way the game's going nowadays, I mean, look at the edges we're talking about in this draft, right? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson and Thibodeau, they're both big guys, they're big, strong guys. I just I just do not see it with Rain Man at all. Um, he has started to kind of fall down most people's boards. You know, if you watch some of what big drafts talking about, typically around this time of year, right, is when the teams are starting to talk. So what's smokescreen, what's not? But, you know, you can see as they're updating their big boards and their mock drafts and stuff, he's gone from, you know, someone who was looked at as being drafted in the teens. Now he's kind of down into that second round. I wouldn't be surprised to see him keep falling. Um, Again, I just on film, I just don't see it there. And I I don't think there's any way to fix what he has, you know, wrong with him right now. Uh, Especially at his age, he's he's going to be a 25 year old rookie. You know, he was born in 1997 in draft age. That's. You know, he's ancient. The last O lineman that was that old was Danny Watkins. We joke about him on the show all the time. Uh, he was because he had a big senior bowl too. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he, yep. he they were like, This guy's a firefighter from Canada and yeah. he's twenty six, but he's got fresh legs. Like every for some reason they always think when uh, guys they always hype guys that are older by saying like, Oh, they started playing late or something like that. But you don't realize like as a professional athlete you're, you're starting to plateau around 25, 26, 27, and then it's downhill. That's why I still think, uh, on a tangent, the worst pick in the new Cleveland Browns history was Brandon Whedon because they, they took a guy who was about to turn 29 when the season started. It took him in the first round, and so many draft people were convinced that, oh, well, he's he's got fresh legs. He's He was a professional athlete, played minor league baseball. All that stuff doesn't matter when you're on the – already on the downside of your athletic career. And that's one of my, that's one of the things I've been harping on with Raymond all year. You're, you're coming from that, uh, a group of five school and you're 25 years old. Like there's two strikes against you right there. Just from a, if, uh, from a investment standpoint, if you're an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, at, at that age, he's already old and that's what I'm saying. I mean, how much more size and strength is he going to put on? You know, but you're looking at a guy that's still a project, right? So when when is he ready to be on the field at age 27? You know, like I just think you're better off taking a. a there's a lot of of uh, a lot more tackles in the draft that are going to be in that second and third round that have just tons and tons of potential. Um, you know, versus you know a guy that's still I think is going to be two years away, and that's all really still a projection. So we talked about which is the most overrated. And what about you? You've been really good about uh, identifying players who people weren't talking about. Uh, most famously, probably Quentin Spain. And we talked about him when you we, when you were on the show last year. So who's your Quentin Spain this year? Like who's that guy that's not getting enough run? I remember last year it was uh, Kendrick Green. He ended up starting at center for the Steelers. Some mixed results, but it was still a good value where they got him. So who's your who's your Spain? Your Green this year? Yeah, so I actually have a couple. Um, I figured I'd give you like five guys that enough people aren't talking about. Um, number one is Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. I absolutely love him. I have him as a top five offensive lineman in the draft. Um, he is an ass kicker through and through. He's a left tackle. He's got good feet. He's got great hands. He's na- I mean, he might be the nastiest offensive lineman in the, in the draft. Um, and you really saw his rise – 
you know, coming into draft season, a lot of people weren't really talking about him. And then, uh, you know, as people started watching film, he really started climbing board. So I, I think he went from like a fifth rounder all the way up to the second rounder and true in the second round. And truthfully, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in round one. Um, another guy, Cam Jurgens, he got a really, you know, hot name from the combine just because of how athletic he tested. But man, I mean, he's just, he does a lot of things well. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a center. He's, uh, uh, I think he's way up there, like in the nine nines in terms of an RAS, um, just a really solid player. Uh, Zach Tom was an offensive tackle out of Wake Forest. I think he's got a kick into guard, but again, you're talking about another freak athlete. Um, you know, Zach Tom had, I think it was the second or third best 10 yard split of all time for an offensive tackle. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy six foot four, 305 pounds with a one, six, three, 10. I mean, that's just freak stuff. Um, you know, also very strong, ridiculously explosive, um, uh, very good agility grade as well. I know Owen Reese was pretty high on him and, uh, you know, I kind of took a look at him too. I think he's going to end up being a pretty good NFL player. Um, Abraham Lucas is another guy that a lot of people aren't talking about. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get drafted way higher than a lot of people think his film's great. Um, you know, he holds up well against top competition. He's a good run blocker. His pass set smooth. He's huge. You know, he's almost six foot seven, 315 pounds. Um, I mean, five flat 40, right? Another guy with a one, six, nine, uh, 10 yard split. Um, you know, just really off the charts agility overall, very well-rounded game, a dude, I think that, you know, if he ends up in that second or third round could play early, um, and really, I think could play left or right tackle really, really like him. And then, uh, my last guy, one that a lot of people aren't talking about is Lesseda Smith out of Virginia tech. He's an offensive guard. He's a little shorter. I think he's only about six, two, six, one. Um, he's a phone booth guy. And if he ends up with the right team, you know, he's going to be that, you know, I, he's really good in pass pro because he's just so strong with his hands. If he gets his hands on you, the rep's over with. Um, he's really, really good run blocker. Overall, just a pretty well-rounded game. Uh, he reminds me a little of A.J. Can from a couple years ago, who I know, you know, if you talk to fans of teams that he's played on, might not love him. But, I mean, the guy's going to end up being a, you know, a couple-year starter. Quentin Spain was another one just like that, right, with those really, really strong hands where they're able to make up for a little bit of what they lack in athleticism just based off of how strong they are. So, um, I really like Lesseter Smith. He's a guy that's probably going to go later in the draft, you know, round five, six, maybe even down in around seven. But a dude, I think that's going to end up being an NFL starter one day. Yeah, Smith is is has really short arms too. You think he might end up at center? Have you heard anything about them working him at center? I I haven't you know heard anything about him working him at center. I don't really love him at center because I don't think he's a great athlete. Mm -hmm. I, I I think in the right scheme, him as you know in there one of those guard spots is just where he needs to be. If he's in a Buffalo or a Baltimore or I mean truthfully even you know I don't know what Cleveland's going to look like now with a new quarterback, right? But uh, somewhere along those lines where he can just be that phone booth guy, I think he's going to be is going to be you know good for him. Yeah, you mentioned Lucas too, and if memory serves, he had some pretty good reps against Kayvon Thibodeau. That's one one of the players that uh, I've been looking at recently. He's another older prospect. He's not Raymond old. He's he's going to be 24. He'll turn 24 his rookie year. But he's also not been hyped as a first rounder. So he yeah. seems like a good value. And, and I think he's ready. Like, you can draft him in round two or three, and I think you can put him on the field a whole lot sooner than you can put Raymond on the field. So – you know, while the age is up there a little bit, I also think he's pretty polished, right? I think he's someone that when you draft him, you're going to put him on the field a whole lot earlier than the other guys. And then, you know, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch Tyler Smith yet, but I mean, that film is, it's, 
it's absurd how well he moves for his size. And like I said, he, there's no, there's people talk about pinning as being an ass kicker. Tyler Smith's a real ass kicker, right? I mean, his, his knockdown blocks and his nasty plays are happening while the play's still going on. And it's, you know, they're six, seven yards downfield. Um, I mean, he's got some highlights on his, just like kind of like Kendra Green did last year, right? Where, I mean, you're watching him grab guys and just kind of run with them. And uh, I, I think he's going to be special. Um, I know some people uh, aren't, aren't as high on him as I am, but I, I'm telling you, man, I, I would not look back in, in round two drafting him. And I think he could even be someone you play right tackle early, you know, with the idea that he's going to move to left tackle one day. So um, there's there's really good value in the later rounds for offensive line this year. What I like about Smith is that he's got some tape against some tough opposition it's not all all just group of five conference stuff he's got some some uh you know that I, I believe they played uh Cincinnati which is probably the best team in the in the group of five you know playoff team and they, they have uh some tape against Ohio State as well so uh, that's a good call and I do recall seeing him in the first round of some big draft it might have been Dan Jeremiah's first yeah, he round. loves him yeah yeah but nobody else – it doesn't seem like everyone else has caught up yet. So, yeah, yeah, good yep. call. He loves him. And then there's also, um, you know, Kellen Deesh out of Arizona State. He's a really good athlete, another pretty polished prospect. Um, I think of him as, uh, you know, kind of on that same trajectory as like Sam Cosme from a couple years ago that went uh, to the Commanders or whatever the hell they're called at this point. <laughs> um uh, you know, another really good athlete. He's got some shorter arms, so I think that's going to scare away some teams. You know, like Andy Reid famously, right? He's not going to put you – you can't play offensive tackle for him with short arms. I mean, I think Miss Schwartz might be the only one ever. So, it's uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be a fit for my team. But I, another one kind of like Abraham Lucas that I think you can get in like round three or four and feel pretty comfortable with them being a swing tackle, you know, and should they need to get you through a five- or six-game stretch early on, you're going to be pretty comfortable with that. And think about this too, Deesh, short arms, 25-year-old rookie, but you're going to get him at a major discount in comparison to Bernard Raymond, and he played in a Power 5 conference. So I think, you know, if you, you're going to get Kellen Deesh on like day three, probably the middle of day three, maybe late day three, and he's a similar level of athlete to Bernard Raymond, and you're getting him at a very discounted rate, so... Uh, just something to think about. Sully, give us your top five for this class. Yeah, so number one, we've talked about him a little bit tonight already, right? Evan Neal, um, I think he's got Hall of Fame potential if he reaches it. Um, I, I don't think that he is, you know, the greatest prospect ever right now. But I just overall, the potential of what he can be is going to be just dumb. You know, if you go back and you can go to his Twitter feed and find a video of him, you know, where he's doing that box jump where he does the split. I mean, he's doing that at 300 and almost 380 pounds at that point. Right now, he's probably 30 pounds lighter than that. I, I just really think he's special. Um, I got Icky Aquano at two. Um, the height does worry me a little bit, but he's got some pretty good stuff on film. I think he's going to be a solid player. And another one that, you know, I, I, I just don't – his floor to me is very, very low. I just don't see any way where he's a bad player. Um, uh, number three, I have Charles Cross. He's kind of the forgotten guy in this class. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go earlier than people think he's going to go. Um, you know, the offense he plays in will hurt him a little. You know, people tend to think about, well, how long does he have to hold up? But, um, you know, my good friend Matt Lane and me, we talk O-line quite a bit uh, from KC Sports Network. 
And, uh, you know, like he said, that offense wasn't really clicking very well this year. So it's hard to say, you know, that it, he, you know, he doesn't have to hold up his blocks very long. I think Charles Cross is the most pro ready offensive lineman in the draft. Um, I think he's a day one starter and, uh, again, low floor, but not as high of a ceiling as the other guys. He's just a little limited athletically. You know, he is a little short as well. I think he's like six, four and a half where Icky was six, four, um, which I know it's crazy to say six, four short, but just in today's game, it is, um, so, you know, I, I don't think he's got quite the ceiling of the other guys, but I do think his game is the most ready right now. Uh, at four, Tyler Linderbaum, you know, I thought he got bullied a little bit on tape, um, you know, the year before, but I'm not going to overthink him. Uh, you know, I did that last year with Creed Humphrey where, you know, Creed had some film out there, man, that was just, you couldn't believe your eyes how bad it was. But his, you know, when he was good, he was good, right? I mean, it was elite. So I don't want to overthink Linderbaum. I would love to see the Eagles draft him with one of those picks, and he can kind of be the heir apparent to Kelsey, um, someone who may be able to even play guard year one, you know, because I think Kelsey resigned this year. Um, but I would love to see him take over there. That'd also be a really good spot for Cam Jurgens, um, just for what they do in that offense and what they ask from their center. Um, so I really like Linderbaum. And then number five, like we've talked about a ton, my guy this year is Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Um, I, I just, I really love the kid. I mean, again, ass kicker. He's got everything size. He was a good athlete. You know, I mean, he's almost a nine on his RAS. He can run. He can move. He can, you know, run block. He can pass block. His hands are good. He's not lazy. He doesn't lean on people. He's got really, really smooth feet. Overall, I just really like him. Um, and again, a guy I think that could potentially start out as a right tackle and make the move over to left tackle. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. He might be a year away or so before you're going to be comfortable with him on the field full time. But, you know, if he ever reaches that potential, he has something that you can't teach. And that's just that finishing mentality. So um, some of those guys we talked about going to be a little scheme specific. But, um, you know, I think Tyler Smith can really play anywhere. So uh, that's that's my top five. Seth, you have a hot take for us to get us out of here? Uh, yeah, let me uh, grab it. Hold on one second. We were gonna we were gonna do Amina Kimes hot take for Sully, but <laughs> I think he retired after she uh she came back. She to got you. me. She got me. She got you. So we had to I had to shelf that one. But Yeah, uh, she got me. <laughs> it was a good bit while it lasted. It was. Here I got I got one for you. Alright, go ahead. You know, we can we can we'll branch off into quarterback talk for a second here. Dan Orlovsky, he's been a bit of a of a, a take meister this you know, this uh, draft season, we did a Dan Orlovsky take last week on one of our shows. I don't remember which one, but uh, he's talking about Desmond Ritter. And a lot of our friends really like uh, Desmond Ritter. A lot of uh, our friends, mutual friends that you and and uh, Seth and I have, Sully, they love Desmond Ritter for some reason. And, and uh, you know, we did our quarterback show a couple of weeks ago. We don't think he's that good. Uh, of a prospect, but Dan Orlovsky said Desmond Ritter's tape versus Indiana is the best quarterbacking tape. He put it in quotes. I'm not sure why quarterbacking <laughs> is in quotes. Best quarterbacking tape out of this year's class. Looks like watching an NFL quarterback the whole game, owns the line of scrimmage, communicate on the road, run two-minute drills, nowhere to go with the ball versus everything they throw at you. It's big time. Double exclamation point. Uh, a lot of There's a lot of late hype for Desmond Ritter to be the QB one. I just want to do a quick comparison. Maybe this isn't fair, but um, against Indiana this year, uh, CJ Stroud 
was 21 of 28 for 266 yards and four touchdowns, no picks as a redshirt freshman in his first year as a starter. Uh, and that was in about a half of a game. So Ritter was 20 of 36, 55%, 210 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And I remember I watched that game live. I honestly, how, I don't know how this is the best quote unquote quarterbacking tape of the year. Um, but I guess I'm just not a high level thinker. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, they, they tend to do this every year around draft time. You know, it turn, they, they start to get it. Cause the truth is, there's just no top tier quarterback in this year's class, right? It's you either love Malik Willis's potential and, you know, but you might end up being stuck running the, you know, Lamar Jackson offense, which has proven to not do real well in the playoffs, right? And, or, you know, Sam Howell, if you, who I think probably has just as much, many wow plays as like Willis does. Um, but he also just doesn't make great decisions with the football. Um, so there's not a really good like top tier quarterback. So then uh, it just feels like they do this every year where they go back to who they feel is safe. Right. And I think Ritter's just pretty solid all around. And I, I don't, it seems like he's had this like random kind of like, you know, high trajectory pickup here all of a sudden, just kind of out of nowhere. And I'm like, you, I mean, the team was pretty loaded, you know, and I mean, he did a decent job just kind of distributing things around him, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a quarterback guru at all, but I I you know I I was on Willis last year, um, and I I mean if I'm gonna draft a guy, I don't want safe, right? I want the chance for it to hit, kind of like what KC did with Mahomes, you know. So I, I'm I, I can't tell you Orlovsky is he's turned into kind of a hot take artist, which is weird, but I mean TV can do that to you, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's like you either get a show, you either get on first take, or you sub on first take at some point. Yeah. When you're yep. working at ESPN. So uh, that's kind of the trajectory he's on. Uh, you know, a, a few guys are like that right now. Uh, Ryan Clark is like that too. Uh-huh. Um, but it's with Ritter, you know, I'm with you. It, obviously, Seth and I, we've been talking about Malik Willis all year. and But we've also been saying, like, don't feel like you have to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. It, it You don't have to force the issue. And I know people are trying to hit a home run with – Willis similar to Josh Allen or Mahomes, but I don't think that's, I don't think he's quite on that level. He's it's, it's a different situation. He's not, you know, he's not six, five like Josh Allen. He, he's from a group of five school like Josh Allen, but he's not six, five. He's not that, that huge presence. He, he's got the big arm, but you know, he's short kind of like Baker Mayfield and, and some of these other shorter quarterbacks that just are having trouble you know, staying in the pocket, they've got to get outside. They've got to kind of manufacture things. And that's not what the bills are doing with Josh Allen. Yeah. And I mean, he is electric as a runner. So I think that's going to help him right away. But I think you've seen in Baltimore already, just how scheme specific that has to be. And I mean, it's tough to build an offense around that. Um, I mean, and Lamar's, you know, for even all of his shortcomings as a passer, he's much more advanced as it was as a prospect and is now than Malik Willis is um, and, and probably has a much better arm. So I think Willis has a ton of question marks too. But since we're doing hot takes, I do have one hot take for you guys. Perfect. And and that is I think that Trayvon Walker will end up being the best player from the draft. Very nice. That's a, that's a good one. And I don't think that's – I think that's gaining some steam, man. Like we've talked about Walker – going 
at two at this point. And, um, and there's chatter now about him possibly going at one. Uh, if 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 they're if they're not going to take an off an offensive tackle if they're you know if they're set which like we talked about I I really think Walker Little's got some potential there to be a decent starter for them you know they franchise franchise tagged Cam Robinson they signed brought in Scherf they got a decent offensive line um, you know I, I they really need some playmakers and guys to get after the quarterback like I would take Trayvon Walker over the other two edges I didn't really like Thibodeau I don't know where all that hype has come from. Um, he to me he was more named than he's really been anything, and then uh, you know Hutchinson had the one big you know the big year this year, but I you know I don't want to say he's going to be bad, but I, I also don't you know I've keep seeing people compare him to T.J. Watt, and I just don't see that right. I, Watt was just dominant. Um, I, I don't I don't think he's as the same level of prospect as T.J. Watt. Whereas Trayvon Walker is like he looks like he's still learning how to play football, which is scary because he's humongous and he's like a freak athlete on top of it. And he's already really good. I just think that guy, like two, three years from now, that dude's going to be a problem. He was the the player that I had to eat crow on this year. There's always one where I kind of misjudged them throughout the season and just not, you know, you're watching games live. You don't get a chance to, to really dig deep, but he's a player that I've been become sold on as a, a really high-end prospect. And um, athletically, if you plug in the numbers, height, weight, speed, jumps, and all that, he compares to favorably to somebody who you're familiar with as a, as a Chiefs, as the leader of Chiefs Twitter, <laughs> and that would be uh, Justin Houston. Right, which was, you know, Houston was elite for, you know, he had a stretch there of, what, like three or four years where you could make the argument he was, like, the most impactful defensive edge in football and I'm just like Walker. I think is even better. I, I think he's even a little bit bigger than what Houston was, right? Yeah, Houston, he's taller. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely taller. That similar athlete. I, I just I'm telling. And the crazy thing about him is like he's good now, but I, I don't even think he knows how to play football yet. Like I, I think three years from now he's going to be even better. Um, I, I don't know, man. And, and right now it's just you know with the way the league's going, you got to get guys that can get after the quarterback, and I, I think he can do that, man. I mean, he he did so much. Uh, you know, in college, I mean, just all his tape, the different things he's able to do at that size is freaky. I'm just, I, I, if I was drafted, if I was a Jaguars, I'd take him number one overall. And that's after I just told you guys I would draft Evan Neal too. But I do want, I take one of those two because if either one of them reach their potential, you have a Hall of Famer. And one of the players that we mentioned when we talk about Walker too is uh, Ziggy Ansah. And he was another player who didn't have the eye-popping sack numbers from college. But when you watch him play and what he's asked to do kind of in that in that defensive scheme, you get the sense that, okay, we can unleash this guy. There is a, a universe where this guy can be unleashed and become a big-time sack artist. Uh, so maybe that's where Walker is. You know, another guy who had low sack total uh, in college was Jason Pierre-Paul, and he ended up having a great career. So uh, the precedent is there for these guys who didn't have eye-popping stats in college to take off as pros. Yeah, just draft, draft traits, man. Before we get out of here, Sully, uh, who are you hoping for at 29 and 30 now? I, I know you're still devastated about <sighs> losing losing Tyreek Hill. but It hurt me. It hurt me. But, um, I, but look, we have the worst defensive back room in the NFL. Um and I don't think a lot of people realize how bad it is on top of having the worst edge rush in the NFL. I mean, right now you're looking at Frank Clark, who's a terrible football player. 
along with Mike Dana and Josh Kando as your edge rush. That's not going to work, right? Chris Chris needs help. And then our DB room is Legarius Sneed, who's a decent player, right? But he's truly better as a slot and a guy that can, you know, he plays hard in the run. He does a lot of different things. He's not a great cover player. And then beyond that, we have Rashad Fenton, who you probably haven't even ever heard of. He's like a six-rounder who's not only short, he's slow. And then we have DeAndre Baker, who's terrible. I mean, he's just not a very good football player, right? These guys, so, you know, we got to go corner. We got to get some edge rush help. I would love to see uh, Boye Mafe um, just because of the athletic profile there. Um, I not I know a lot of people like Ebiketti from Penn State. I don't really care who it is. I just want some type of an edge rush. And then, you know, if Traylon Burks is there, I don't want to see us pass him up. But if he's already gone, then you got to go corner. And I really like the kid out of Florida, Kyrie Elam. Um, just a great athlete, and he's got size, right? So when you look at what we do, Spag's defense, he's going to want some height out of the corner. So I would look at, like, Elam, maybe Martin Emerson, guys like that somewhere in that 30 range. But overall, I think it's got to be edge rush, DB, or wide receiver, and there's really no other way around it unless something crazy happens and one of these guys falls, you know, like way down the board and we move up a little bit to grab someone. I'm not sure, but if Burks is going to be there at 29, I think he fits pretty good, uh, you know, what we need now. So uh, hopefully it's, you know, Traylon Burks. And then, like I said, I I love Boye Mafe just because of that athletic profile. I'm a big uh, fan of Ebikati, and I know our buddy Jinx is as well. That would be a great pick for you guys in that range. Um, Burks fit with KC. I'm not a huge Traylon Burks guy, but the fit there with KC would would be really good. And and the guy I compared him to athletically is Dwayne Bow, so that kind of works yeah. out too. Yep. Yeah, he gives us some size. We're missing that right now. And then you know, like I said, I look, I like Ebiketti from Penn State. Um, you know, Penn State is another one, just like we were talking about you and I earlier. Like they produce nothing but freaks. Um, so I mean, you know, they're gonna have what uh, Brandon Smith. Uh, uh, Luketta this year, Brisker. I mean, all those guys tested off the charts, so they're gonna just continue to produce freaks. So anytime you can get any of them, look, I'm all about you know draft traits and then try to develop into football players. So Mafe also tested like a freak. I just want you know, I really want some hungry dogs up front that are ready to go get after the quarterback because I mean, it killed us last year, and now the pass rush is even worse. Well, Sully, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us for the last hour. It's it literally is my favorite pod every year because I know a little bit about offensive line play, but like the depth and everything that you're able to give us, especially on these like I, I love when you do your five, you know, kind of day two, three prospect guys because then that just those are guys that I'm like, hey, let's make sure that these guys get drafted um, by the team I like, and they never draft them because they <laughs> can't they can't draft offensive line for crap. So, um, <laughs> but that being said, you know I appreciate you uh, coming on and hanging out with us for the last hour, and we, you know, honestly, like it, it's one of our favorite podcasts we do every year. Yeah, boys, thanks thanks for having me, man. I'll I'll see you again next year. Definitely, and if you want to follow Sully, he's at on Twitter at Sully Chiefs. And I definitely think anybody who likes this show tonight, uh, this episode, you'll probably hear it on a Tuesday, uh, maybe Monday, we'll see. But uh, go back and listen to episode 107 when Sully was on last year because we asked a lot of questions about how to evaluate offensive line. So stuff we didn't rehash tonight, but it's still relevant as we as you go forward and look at, at offensive line every year. So go back and listen to that. It was episode 107 
of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Thanks a lot, Sully. Uh, we really enjoy having you on and, and appreciate you making the time for us. Yeah, thanks, boys. Take care. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.